Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to be. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Welcome to the program. I'm your captain, Joey Clark. My co-pilot this evening, Brandon God's Get Raw. What's going on, people? And if you follow me on the Book of Faces, you already know what I'm about to say. Because I just wrote it. And I gave you only one example, Brandon. And you said you're going to play the other side, but I don't think there are other sides here. I think this kind of sums it up. Ooh. Come on. And what I wrote is seek and you will find. Or we got all fancy seek and ye will find. Okay. Seek and ye will find. The truth is really pure and never simple. And that more often than not, you weren't looking for the truth in the first place. Only vindication of your beliefs. Well, basically, it's it's the same way of saying, you know, for the wife who goes through her husband's phone mm-hmm. and finds what she's looking for. Well, and then sometimes she finds something that she thinks is incriminating. Which, but it's really, really just it. a friend, right? Oh, of course, old so high school friend that seek, he ran into. Seek and ye shall find. It's been one hell of a day of political theater. Political theater in the best way. I mean, most of the time when we talk about political theater, that's now become like a pejorative, a throwaway, like insult. It's well, become an insult for of uh, the crap sound bites politicians go for in these committee hearings, and I've seen plenty of crap. I would call reality television. Well, well, you know what? For those of us who have not been watching Fox News all day, mm. why don't you give us a, fill us in on what you're talking about, man? Well, I was watching C-SPAN. Okay. Well, well, I was watching the one camera. This is the way I had it worked. Is one camera was allowed in there. Okay. Well, maybe two. Ideas, one source that all the networks could feed off of. So it was on Fox. It was on MSNBC. It was on CNN. It was on C-SPAN. I think it was the C-SPAN pool. Live streaming all over YouTube, and there was an expectation that millions and millions of people would be watching this, which is very unusual for a Senate committee. But it is apropos in the sense that it is right in the thick of the Me Too era. Ooh. Which you have a running bet, right, with uh, Fresh downstairs about whether or not Harvey Weinstein's actually going to be put in jail? Of course. Oh man, he's made these top movie executives billions. See, there's, if they're not going to do nothing else, even if he goes broke in the process, which he probably will through mm-hmm. civil suits and stuff like that, but they will keep him out of jail. Right. But it's okay. But I was telling you oh. that there are, I mean, yeah, the movie executives, but are they, if we're going to think in that way, are. They really going to have the power over, say, some other rich New York millionaires and billionaires who want to make an example of this guy? 
to because you. Because he was a top Democratic donor. So, and he got caught doing some dirty stuff. So you got to make an example of him because you know the rest of them are doing dirty deeds, dumb, dirt oh, cheap. Uh, of course. But see, at the same time, if he's been doing this as long as he has, mm-hmm. these stars aren't the first one to report this. But right. how do you this think... This is the first time it's been effectively reported. Exactly. So how do you think he's gotten away with this for all these years for so long? That power, baby. Oh, oh of course. That money. Exactly. He's... You don't kill the golden goose. Well, and it's not necessarily the money is part of it, but it's a unique... Oh, oh, I, I beg to differ. No, but no, but it's a unique type of power. Because there are a lot of people who have money that couldn't command Hollywood. You know what I mean? It's, it's money made off of making... Uh, Harvey Weinstein's bread and butter is that he wasn't doing the hundreds of millions of dollar studio box office summer flick. Like the popcorn flick. And he wasn't doing your low-budget indie movie. He made a living and a career and made some damn good movies we cannot deny it. Whoever said that people who make incredible art have to be good people? They don't. No, not at all. A lot of great artists are troubled souls. uh, And that's what makes their art so great. He, His bread and butter was taking that, and I might have my figures wrong, but like a $20 million budget, a $30 million budget. Kind of your mid-range movie budget. And making incredible films out of it. Well, you you also have to think he discovered a lot of young talent that yes. worked for cheap. Yes, he and he he made people oh, discover yeah. that young talent. They worked for cheap, but he made them. That was kind of the deal. Like you, I will make you a star, and he would deliver. This is the thing about him. It was a casting couch, but he would deliver if you yeah did the dirty deed done dirt cheap. And, and, and see, and I, that's where the power comes from. It wasn't just he made money, which he did. It goes hand in hand. It's like he made money, but he also had contacts. He knew everybody in the industry. He could spread a rumor about you and say, if you turned him down for one of his dirty deeds, done dirt cheap, he would, uh, you know, blackball you. Oh, oh okay. Say, oh, she's okay. tough to work with. Oh, okay, but at the same time, is that fair, though? Because, I mean, no. okay, you became a superstar out of it, but now, 10 to 15 years later, well, 20 years later, in some cases... You want to come back and... Well, I have seen women say that. It's like, don't I have the right to sleep up the ladder? (laughs) It it gets a little icky. I suppose you do. uh, I was about to say, it was was done back in the day. But it's kind of like the guy saying, can I I use steroids if I'm going to be fighting? Can I use, you know, HD uh, human growth hormone? Uh, I mean, hey, why why not? What it is, it's the ugly truth that people don't want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't care how you got there. You have a female executive that did it in seven years. Right. And so, th- anyway, the whole point of bringing this up is it's on it. You're, we're having conversations in the office. It's, you know, water cooler talk. Of course, of course. We literally have a water cooler downstairs and people talk around it. <laughs> we congregate around our kitchen. Okay. Drinking our coffee, sipping our filtered water. How fancy are and we? And tea. And tea. Yes. Do you flick your pinky out when you drink your tea? No, no I don't. Can't, can't do that. I don't really drink tea. Clears me out too much. Well, well, I mean, it works out for me because, you know... Yeah, you're a pretty regular guy? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, me yeah. too. Anyway, it is the Me Too era. Harvey Weinstein is... And all the backlash to that, and then the more major crimes, the lesser crimes... There's a whole spectrum. Well, well, my my whole thing with the Me Too movement is kind of like a double-edged sword. Yes, it's good in the way that it's given a lot of unknown women, Mm. you know, the courage to speak up about these crimes and stuff like that. Right. But at the same time, it's damaging other people who 
okay, we made this deal behind closed doors. You did your thing. I did my thing. We both walked away happy. Now, 20 years later, you're coming back to ruin my career. Right. Well, and it makes power is an interesting thing. This is why I said power isn't just money. Money does give you a lot of power. No Very doubt. Much. You're not you're not hearing much. any argument from me there. But power comes in all sorts of ways. That's and it funny. especially comes That's when funny. you can, especially in this society, mm-hmm. that is, it's not just democratic in the sense of politics, like we vote every once in a while, but it's democratic in the sense of everything is put to a public opinion bowl. Because the market's essentially based off that. Who's buying your stuff? Who is, you know, buying things from your advertisers? If you get a bad reputation, you can get ruined. Now, some people can have a bad reputation and they still have a niche market. They have, you know, strong supporters. I mean, there are still, like, folks that are supporters of Cosby, even though people are throwing him under the bus, and kind of rightfully so. And and I wanted to speak about that, because I think that that's crazy. At 81 years old, he's going to have to do 10 years? 3 to 10. Which, he might not even make the 3. Right. And I guess that 3 to 10 works like he's up for, like, parole, but I doubt he gets out. State prison, right, I think, in New York? Yeah. Well, did you see, though, the video, not after the sentencing, but after he was convicted, him walking out with his lawyers? Mm-mm. Turns to a crowd of people assembled in cameras, because it's a big deal, and he turns and he does the Fat Albert thing. Hey, hey, hey. Like, you were just convicted for drugging and well, raping a woman, well, and you turn to the cameras and go, hey, hey, hey. Well, really? Well, Joey, number one, what you, what you need to realize is... This is not the, in his 30s, sharp-minded Bill Cosby. Oh, I agree. Bill Cosby. I know where you're going. At 81 years old, something's starting well, to slip up Well, there. also, at 80-something years old, and it seems like this was obviously, a, a he's a serial rapist, a pattern of doing this. If you're that age and you've been getting away with it for decades, longer than I, we've both been alive put together, mm-hmm. you obviously... Have something really wrong with you. So to like to act like you uh, you have you want some contrition here. Like oh please forgive me. I know what I did was wrong. No, well, Bill Cosby is he, that's what he did and, and what he and, does, and, and, and I, he's not going to apologize. For and it. I understand that, but see, at the same time, we were just talking about Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. which, like I said downstairs, the difference in our justice system. Bill Cosby's going to get three to ten. I doubt. You don't think Weinstein's going to get anything? I don't anything. think Weinstein's going to get okay. anything. Okay, we'll see. We'll Proba- see. No, that's an interesting... Probation, that's if a, anything. That's a good conversation to have. It's a fun bet. It's it, a fun parlor game. Oh, of course, of but course. We bring all this up because it. this is the cultural uh, soup we're swimming in right now. Yeah. We're swimming in this soup of heated allegations. People are speaking up. And that brings us to today's political theater. Mm. And I'm going to say it again, what I wrote on the Book of Faces. You can follow me, folks. It's just Joey Clark. I'm wearing that red dress and some shades and letting that long hair after it's soaked by humid rain of New Orleans. You know, that's my profile pic now. Just follow me. You can also follow the show if you can't catch the whole thing on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Just search the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the show, leave a review. And five stars. And on SoundCloud, too. And on SoundCloud, but... I'm trying to pump up those reviews on iTunes. Give me a few five stars, four stars. You don't have to give me all. You don't have to go all the way. Please. I'm begging you. Anyway, seek and you will find the truth is rarely pure and never simple. And that more often than not, you weren't looking for the truth in the first place. Only vindication of your beliefs. 
that brings us to today's political theater. Oh, let's start it. Here's my take. Okay. I watched Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Watched her opening statement. I read her opening statement even before she read it, but she read it. I watched uh, the Republicans' outside counsel, a woman who specializes in these matters. She is an expert prosecutor, a prosecutor on behalf of the state. So if somebody is under on sexual assault or a crime in Maricopa County, Arizona, she's the person who kind of does these uh, interviews. Mm -hmm. And so the Republicans, not to have the appearance of 11 old white men asking her... uh, Christine Blasey Ford questions brought out in this outside expert. And the tact that she took throughout the whole hearing was not to attack Dr. Ford. Of course not. She did not. Because I think she's been there, done that, in the sense that she knows real victims. She's prosecuted real bad guys who have committed sexual assault and rape. So what she more did was try to first establish what do you actually remember? Giving your testimony. Mm-hmm. Do you, could you possibly remember a few more things if I give you maybe this sort of question, that sort of question, this sort of angle? Because she says she blacked out at some point or something like right. that. Well, she, Christine Blasey Ford doesn't remember how she got there and how she got home. She remembers running out of the house after hiding in the bathroom. She doesn't remember how she got home. But I think it's Rachel Mitchell is this prosecutor, and I didn't follow up with that. Her job, in her mind, was not to punch, metaphorically speaking, Dr. Ford. Her job was to show that, and she did it subtly, that the advice the Democratic Party and Blasey Ford's lawyers were giving her was not serving her well as what I assume an actual victim of sexual assault, a trauma she's been dealing with for decades. Mm -hmm. And the most interesting part of, and throughout Blasey Ford's uh, testimony, the Democrats did things like your profiling courage, can I submit to the record, these thousands of people who signed a letter in support of you, and this group of people wants to support you, and we appreciate you speaking up, we need more people speaking up, and we know how tough this is. But Rachel Mitchell, the prosecutor, her last question was... Okay. Because the way it worked is she would have five minutes on behalf of one of the Republican senators, then an actual Democratic senator would ask five minutes. Then it would come back to Rachel Mitchell. Five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. And as I was watching it, and we even had callers today frustrated that as soon as Rachel Mitchell got going the five minutes, you're like, yeah, I kind of want this conversation to continue. It would be somebody else's turn. Yes. So at the end, last turn, last round for Rachel Mitchell, she said, I'm in... Dr. Ford really showed, because she is a clinical psychologist, she's a research psychologist, she's an expert in the psychology field, a a great understanding of how the trauma affects the chemical reactions in the brain and how you can lose memories while remember certain certain details. And Rachel Mitchell, the prosecutor, said to Dr. Ford, I'm impressed with your understanding, and you're absolutely right. This is how it works. But we also do a thing at the Maricopa County office and all sorts of DA's offices and prosecutors around the country trying to help sexual assault and rape victims. Worth any office like that worth their salt won't just do like a lie detector test, a polygraph test. They won't just have like FBI or SBI or some authority question you. What they'll do is they'll bring in somebody who's a trained 
psychologist in helping victims of trauma. They'll do what's called a cognitive interview, where you let the person, as long as they want to, talk, tell your story. It, whether it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 5 minutes. Just tell what you remember, what happened. Okay. And then the questioner, the interviewer, will say, okay, they'll repeat back that story. And then they'll suggest certain things to help fill in the gaps. And it, what it does is it allows, and I'm not an expert at this, I'm just hearing it today, but it allows, from what I gather, my understanding is the person to kind of work through it. And as you work through it, things come back and you can help understand the story better. I, I don't like that for the simple fact is you can also lead a person. You can that. lead a person, but this is why you would get somebody who's uh, expert in this field. You get a person who's an expert in this field. And can't be bribed, right? Well, everybody can be bribed. I'm I'm, I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he can suggest one thing that will lead her. But here's the thing. Okay. This was the last question, essentially, Rachel Mitchell had for Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Did the people who are helping you here, whether Representative Issue or Senator Diane Feinstein or your legal counsel suggest going through a cognitive interview, which is whether or not this is somebody who's going to testify in front of the Senate on national television, whether it's politically heated or not, whether it's in the Me Too era or not. If you're talking about somebody who needs to process a trauma, a cognitive interview sounds like a really good thing to do, a really good thing to do. And when asked, are these people who are helping you who are helping or championing you and saying you are a champion of a cause, did they suggest this? No. They didn't. Also, she asked, when you sent that letter to Diane Feinstein, what was your understanding of its confidentiality? You're essentially saying I was sexually assaulted by Brett Kavanaugh in 1982 when I was 15. When you sent that letter describing these these events... Did you think it was going to be confidential until today's hearing? And Dr. Ford said, no, I thought it was going to be confidential forever. So essentially what Rachel Mitchell did and was probably tasked by the Republicans to do Mm -hmm. is not to hit Dr. Ford, but to show this process is really tainted. I walked away from what Dr. Ford had to say. Something happened to that woman. Absolutely. And she came across like she was telling the truth. Okay. A lot of gaps. Of course. And the people she named in her testimony did not back her up. Oh, of of course, because they're colleagues of his. Well, one was not. One is a friend of hers. Oh. And it was was interesting, to say the least. But my take, I think she's telling some form of the... Rarely pure and never simple truth. This brings us to uh, Brett Kavanaugh. There's like a 30-minute hour lull. They take a recess. All the senators, you know, go take a crap or something. Or, you know, empty their bladders. These are old people, don't you? Of course, of course. And uh, Brett Kavanaugh came out. And I went into it having seen Brett Kavanaugh's interview on Fox News. Mm -hmm. And I thought his interview on Fox News was awkward. I thought he... It didn't sound good. Didn't sound damning, but didn't sound good either. Didn't inspire confidence. But but you but you want to know what I'm going to wait to see? I'm going to wait to see 
Number one, he's going to get the seat. He's going to get his seat either way. Now, once that happens, I'm going to wait to see if any other women come out the woodwork. Because if he was doing this back in the 80s, there's no way there aren't other women. But that brings me to Kavanaugh's testimony in his opening statement. Okay. From the way I saw it, it was a man who, imagine 30-something years of your life. A lot of your friends are women. You've been described in your life as somebody who's not only friends with women, like not girlfriends, but helping advance women in the legal profession, still friends with women you knew in high school and college, 64 of which have written a letter attesting to his character. Years and years and years, like uh, Kavanaugh pointed out that during the Bill Clinton impeachment, his particular office, there were people on the Democratic side paying upwards to a million dollars, talking about bribery, for any sexual deviance on the Republican side to kind of counterbalance what Bill Clinton did in the Oval Office with that cigar. And he struck me as a man who, with that reputation, Mm -hmm. like somebody was raking him and his family through the mud, that he honestly, as far as I could tell, was telling the truth. I think both Brett Kavanaugh and Dr. Christine Blasey Ford think they're telling the truth. Again, the truth is rarely pure and never simple. Well... well as as my grandmother used to always say, there's your version of the story, there's their version of the story, and somewhere in the middle is what actually happened. Well, and Kavanaugh got very emotional. I showed you a picture before we went on air, posted yeah. by a comedian named Whitney Cummings. I like Whitney. Mm-hmm. I've heard a few interviews and podcasts. I like Whitney Cummings. But she posted a picture saying, just look at the women's faces. And it was kind of a shot right in the middle of Kavanaugh being very emotional. And over his right shoulder are three women who kind of have this grimace on their faces. But if you had been watching, those women grimacing right over his right shoulder, sitting right behind him, were his wife, his sister, and his mother. And this gets back to this idea of seek and ye shall find. Not the truth, but validation of your beliefs. Because you can take that picture, see it, whatever. You could have still watched this and come up with different perspectives. Of course, of course. And there was a moment that almost made me cry. Whether or not Kavanaugh's telling the truth or Bozzy Ford's telling the truth, they both think they're telling the truth, they're both twisty in some way, that's not my point. Where Kavanaugh started really crying and breaking down, said when he had to tell his 10-year-old daughter about this, you know what his daughter said? He's a devout Catholic, so they pray every night before bed. Of course. You know what his daughter said to him as they're about to pray and go to bed? What's that? Daddy, we should pray for the woman. And that hit me so much. Because there are a lot of people looking for their virtue of the truth to be confirmed. Of course. For their political party, for big reasons that I don't want to diminish. But if I think more people could have the wisdom of that 10-year-old to pray for your enemies, pray for the people that you should uh, put up in arms over, we'd be all a lot better off. 
Well, the thing the thing about that is it's nice to be that optimistic. But at 10 years old, we all were because the world hadn't gotten to us yet. And I, I don't to, know if it's optimism. I, I hate to say it, man, but some that's why they say it's a childlike innocence, mm. because you lose that over the years. You know, as you grow into the world, that that's one of the first things you kind of lose when you leave your parents' house for the first time. Well, and we could be. Maybe she's a very cynical 10-year-old, and we didn't ask, what did you want to pray for that woman? Like a piano to fall out of the sky? No, but I... Uh, but, of course, nobody thinks the worst of a 10-year-old. Of course not. But I walked away from watching this now for seven, eight hours today. Mm-hmm. Dog and pony show, basically. But it was good, a good kind of theater. It was a good example of we needed to let this out. I wish the committee hearings... And the reason I first fell in love in politics is because our system is set up for theater. But it's a type of theater that deserves good actors. Oh, of course. It doesn't deserve some stupid reality show where we're looking for a 50-second clip that now this or Breitbart can throw up on Facebook or YouTube. What our system wants is for our senators not to be on Fox News or MSNBC or in the respective partisan podcasts or radio shows, what our system wants is to get their asses into a committee hearing chamber, or to get their asses into the Senate chamber itself or the House, and to stand up and actually debate one another with the best of their wits, the best of their wisdom, in good faith, and actually have it out. But we don't have that anymore. Well, you, you want to know where that went? That went the way of access, because back in the day, you know, you didn't have so much access, not even to your own city councilman. Yeah. You know, you seen them at city council meetings. Outside of that, you didn't see or hear of them on the news unless something happened. See, now with social media and stuff like that, now you, I feel like you, we have too much access to these people. But it's, and it's so that's why they much. have, yeah, yeah, that's but why it, they have to go on these shows and But it's entertain. like a reality show. But it's the kind of access you get in a reality show. Of course. And there's something to be said about when you create a setting. Think of, like, the Senate chamber. Mm -hmm. And I know we need to hit a break here in just a second, folks. But think of the Senate chamber. If you've ever had a chance to visit, like, the old Senate and congressional buildings. They still have them there, like red lush carpets and gold spittoons. So they all chewed tobacco back in the day. Oh, yeah. But it strikes me as a place where that's where you're going to meet. That's where you're going to have your debate. And because there's that setting, you can, you're put on the spot. And you're put in a certain parameters, a certain setting where you have to be your best, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there have been some horrible arguments advanced on behalf of the oppression of women on behalf of slavery in those chambers. Of course. There have been terrible arguments advanced, but at least those arguments were in those chambers and they were advanced and somebody on the other side was on the side of justice advancing it to the best of their ability. And when we lose that, that setting, that place where the people we vote for that supposedly represent our interests have to get up on that platform, on that stage, in that particular way... And not in a cynical way, not in looking for your latest soundbite and knowing that you have a presidential campaign coming up or a midterm election, but actually get up and say, let's find, to the best of our ability, whose belief 
is going to win the day, we we lose something very valuable. Yeah, very but, valuable. Yeah, but at at the same time, like I said, that went the way of access, and it's like now debates aren't even really televised anymore. Sadly, besides the presidential debate, because I remember back in the day, you used to have the mayor debate, you used to have the city council debate. You know, if somebody wanted to run for office, the debates got got you know played they still on get TV. Televised, but what happens is a debate happens. Okay, or, I'll I'll use an analogy. It's like. People talk about a movie, mm-hmm. they haven't seen it. What they do is they go read reviews. Or they watch some stupid video on YouTube of a people talking about the movie and reviewing it themselves. It's all second, third hand. Okay. Go watch the damn movie for yourself. Oh, so I, instead oh, of oh, I'm voting for this guy because it because I heard his politics match up to... Yeah, I heard that it... Oh, I kind of like the general plot idea. I kind of like his his politics and his ideas. Oh, I like that particular movie critic. I like that particular political pundit. And they told me that this is who I should vote for. Exactly. Whether yeah. it's Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity, they told me this is how I should think. Mm-hmm. So I wish more people would take the time, and I wish it's not on the people necessarily, it's not on the politicians necessarily, it's on all of us. I wish we would take more time to create settings and places where, yes, we engage in political theater, and we get dramatic, and we do the best of our ability to persuade people with our logic and our appeal to their emotion and their passion and all the best that we can possibly muster but at least let's have that place where everybody is watching yeah but at the same time you have to realize courtroom real courtrooms are not like matthew mcconaughey oh, no. in mississippi they're not. they're not and that was i mean i was with them in, in that movie i was like yeah right. that's right and then i thought about how a real courtroom reacts and it's like no but that would never be said by a lawyer right no, it's and no, and I'm not saying you got to Hollywood it up, but that is just if you've ever been, whether in the Alabama legislature, any body like that, if we actually treated it like the place where the people we put in charge. No, I'm using we loosely. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I heard the pause in there, right there. Yeah, but at least in theory, the people we, the people, put in charge should have to stand up in one place and actually be a combined body. So what I take from today, well, seek and you shall find the truth is really pure and never simple. And more often than not, we're not looking for the truth. We are uh, looking for validation of our own opinions. Yes. And that's how today, as I'm reading reactions, seems to have turned out. A lot of, uh, it's like a... a uh, Horshack, or excuse me, Rorschach test. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ink like, blot. What, what do you see in that ink blot? Yeah. Well, I, I usually what, only see what, 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 Zumbas. What, what, That's what I see, Brandon. What, what does he always say? Babies playing in the sun, and then it flashes to some dog or something, some horror scene he's seen. No, I see those bazoombas go, shake those maracas. That's what I see. That's horrible. It is terrible, I know. <laughs> but as we hit this break and go out to Gonna Leave Me by Tiana Taylor. This is grown and sexy music, sir. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna tell folks real quickly about Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Okay. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, you're looking for a real estate agent, think Eddie Bader. Rewind real quick. If you're looking for a real estate agent, look 
no further than Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. That number for Eddie Bader is 322-0662. Visit thegoodsongroup.com. they got a special thing going on. If you are looking to invest in real estate, rent out that property. Before you even close on that property, Eddie Bader and the Goodson Group will find you tenants before you even mm. close. You can have money coming into your own pocket, into your bank account before you even begin. And you know you can use that extra money. I know I can. Mm -hmm. And they will manage the property for you if you don't want to go through the hassle of being a landlord yourself. Oh, yeah. It's a sweet deal. And if now you're looking for listings, you're looking for to buy or sell, or even that house on the lake with a pontoon boat tour. Oh, the vacation house, man. You got to have it. Come on, now. Give Eddie Bader a call. 322-0662. Let's say it together. Three, two, two, zero, six, six, two. Goodson Group. We need good theater, Brandon. Oh, always. Why is it so hard to keep in touch when we're laying right next to each other, baby? We shouldn't be in and think so much. Overthinking, understanding. Jerry Clark. Don't let a feeling change it up. That's right. I gotta learn how to dance, baby. <laughs> I gotta learn how to do these latest things. Fatback Band. 1975. Gotta learn how to dance. I gotta 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 learn how to dance. I love everything about this song. The horn section. I gotta brand my That subtle guitar. Just that. Shuffle kind of beat going on right there, real subtle. True 70s funk. Now, coming up in October, because next week we're in October. Oh, yeah. I'm doing a thing. What you doing? Well, on Wednesday nights, I'm going to be joined by Mr. Spotlight. And maybe a few others. What we're going to do is set up a tournament leading up to Wednesday Halloween night Uh at the end of the month. What we're going to do is have a tournament between best horror flick scary movies. Okay. So, And we're going to give them their due. We'll set up a slasher film with a slasher film, more of a campy one with a campy one. Things like, you know, Evil Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the 13th. The classics. Right, and we might get more modern ones, but we're going to bring in kind of Seth and maybe a few other folks, and we're going to, you know, have movies go head-to-head, and we're going to have a bracket leading up to what's the best scary movie. In our opinion, we'll take input from the audience online and over the telephone. And the Book of Faces. And, oh, of course, the Book of Faces. And uh, we'll we'll take that input. We'll take that into consideration. But I'm not a big fan of democracy. So, you know, this is going to be a... You know, it's my show. I'm an autocrat when it comes to my show. But I'm thinking of another sort of 
debate structure. Not really a tournament like okay. we're going to do with the scary movies, but maybe on like Thursday nights, like a night like this. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to structure the show a little more. We could get into like classic album battles. You could do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, of course. So but- take like Thriller and Purple Rain and you go song by song. No, that might you, be you, bad. I'm just talking you, off the top of you, my head. You don't want to do that. The Thriller's going to win? Yeah, maybe. Of course. No, but here's the thing. You got to go song by song. So you got to find albums with like both eight eight songs. Or maybe you could do artists, the same artist, but two different albums and compare which is the best album within that same artist. I, I understand it. So That's, Off the Wall and Thriller, which is the better one. Thriller's obviously better selling, more Thr- commercial success. Well, 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 you have to consider, uh, and we talked about this downstairs. It's funny, uh, me and Fresh. Thriller is basically a commercialized version of Off the Wall. Okay. See, back then, Off the Wall, it was the late 70s. Michael was really experimenting mm-hmm. for the first time, being away from his brothers. So Working with Quincy Jones and the brothers. Exactly. Um, you know, so it was very soulful, but it didn't have the commercial smash that Thriller had. quite as poppy. It, exactly. It had maybe one or two cuts that were pretty poppy and got were hits. But, but did but, better on the R&B. But when Thriller came, it was like, okay, that's the yeah. formula. One of the best-selling albums of all time. And so that that's, you know, or we could take like Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here versus Dark Side of the Moon. Again, Dark Side's the more iconic, well-known, but Wish You Were Here's a damn good album. So, and what you would do is you go, you, you don't just go, which is the better album? You actually compare them song, song by, by song. song. And you break down each song, which one's the better one? Now, now that, that I'm could thinking be fun. this will be a regular thing. Like, you know, on Thursday nights, we pick two albums, we debate it out. We talk it out. It doesn't have to be somebody's on each side. Just we talk it out. Well, well, c- come on now. We both talked about this before. You know how people love to win. No, sure. Yeah. No, and I, I wanted to be all in good fun. I, oh, of course. A little course. friendly competition is very healthy. Oh, okay. Very okay. healthy. Brings out the best of I people. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. But you, but you, but this is I'm what gonna I'm going to say. Here. You don't want to structure it too much. No, not too you, much. Because you definitely want to keep the freedom of thought. And, oh, sure. You know, I've talked to people in the community and stuff like that. That's what they love about your show. Oh, right. It's free-flowing. Exactly. It's just a free form, you know. And that was... Um, that's a question I actually have for you. Okay. With, with all these media outlets and stuff like that. We've got 10 minutes question time, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With all these media outlets and stuff, how do you think, like, all these false stories get out? Like, about Kavanaugh and stuff that we talked about off air. Like, all these false stories somehow, some way get printed. How does it happen? People want to... Well, there's an incentive, number one, to be the media outlet to break a story. Like, Even if you know the story isn't true, though. See, but here's the thing. It, it, we're in this new age where, well, it, it may or may not be true. This person said it, and we have to believe all women, Brandon. But, but you know what? That's, that's why, the that, mentality. That's why I miss newscasters like Cronkite. Right. When Cronkite went on the air with something, it was vetted through at least three sources. Right. So, hey, okay, if we made a mistake, we made a mistake, but... I have three these three sources behind me, and this this is what we knew at the yeah. time. Yeah, you know, and, well, and they just, I would say they just that don't you, be that careful anymore. But here's the interesting thing: even if you if you really look back at that time with uh, kind of a very critical mind, like you're doing an investigation on what was actually true, I think that's more a, a golden age view of it because you only had three bit networks. I'm not knocking Cronkite, and I do miss the style. 
that oh, you're talking man. about. Where it was pretty straightforward. He only really got emotional over JFK being shot and, yeah. and, and some things in the Vietnam War. And so, But when it's that straight reporting, there's something to that. Well, now, well, but it can also be, at that time, it was misleading. Because you would have this veneer of, and I'm not knocking the people that put it together, but you would have this veneer of we're straight objective news reporters. But of course their bias comes in. Of course, well, and it's not even bias. Maybe they just miss something. But people it, take it, it as gospel be. because that's your only three outlets. Whereas today, you have competing outlets. You have all, how many damn media outlets can we name? Oh, we got, okay, we got Fox and, and all their dot-coms. We got Fox News, we got CNN, we got MSNBC, ABC. Fox Business, ABC, CBS, NBC, NBC. Man. We've got Breitbart, we've got the Drudge Report, well, well, we've got well, too, Huffington too. Post, we've got Vox, we've got BuzzFeed, and now we've got the short, like, video, like now this politics, the short little video stuff. Well, well see, and, this, is, this is my thing. What has changed the political scope mostly is two advents. You have, you have uh, cable TV, mm-hmm. which added so many more news networks, and then you have the internet, which made... Any kid with a phone, their own news reporter. Exactly. And that with Twitter now, people oh, are all sorts of IG, but then, Instagram. Like, I'm thinking of Axios has popped up in the last year or two. They usually have some interesting reporting that I like. That's when I like Axios, because it's pretty straightforward reporting. I don't, I don't, this is my approach. I don't take anything as gospel. Again, the truth is never, rarely pure and never simple. So you got to always be putting pieces together. You, but... Uh, Axios is great. Yeah. The Intercept, uh, founded by Glenn Greenwald, is fantastic. I gotta check that out. I've never checked that one out. Glenn Greenwald's the guy who worked with Edward Snowden. Okay. And broke all those leaks. And Glenn Greenwald is, he's an interesting guy if you want to assess his identity. Okay. He is a gay man who you would say is from the left. And he really doesn't like what some would call corporate Democrats. Or the mainstream of the Democratic Party these days really doesn't like them because those folks dep- defend things like mass surveillance just as much as anybody else. And by the way, folks, when I'm talking about Brett Kavanaugh, I, I kind of got sick of this whole process. I think Lindsey Graham did land a punch when he says this whole thing, the way it was done, Dr. Ford's a victim here, Brett Kavanaugh's a victim here, the way this was done is disgusting. And I felt that way, too, because it just seems so damn political for all sorts of reasons we don't have time to go into. And I'm saying that, though, as a guy who looks at Brett Kavanaugh's judicial record and philosophy, and I strongly disagree with some serious points that are very close to me, like mass surveillance. Brett Kavanaugh has written opinions for the D.C. Circuit Court that back up mass surveillance and the evisceration of our Fourth Amendment rights. Now, now, but I feel the same way when it comes to the whole Bill Cosby thing. Yeah? You know, like, his entire reputation was just basically drug in front of the entire world. Do you think it's true? I mean, do I think he did some of it? Of course. Of course. But different time, different place, different set of rules. And we've talked about that. Yes. Though. Though what? Oh, please. Was slipping people a Mickey or a Quaalude and like a, that was a normal thing? Like drugging women and then sleeping with them? Well, does, does waiting 35 years later to talk about it 
Was that a normal thing? Because people didn't believe it. Here's the thing. Cosby came out, and this is where I, I draw a distinction. When it's political stuff, there's always a tendency, at least in my opinion, towards a false accusation or exaggerated accusation or just an outright witch hunt. But when it's not something that has to do with winning political power, and it's something that comes out of... How did the Cosby thing start? It started with... Hannibal Burris. Now, Hannibal Burris made a joke. The Cosby thing came about after. It was two months after it was rumored. Mind this. It was rumored that he might buy NBC. Mm-hmm. Two months later, the first victim comes along. So and it's like the floodgate. The powerful people made Hannibal Burris's video go viral. It wasn't... It wasn't by the time Hannibal Burris had picked up on it, it it had always been a private joke. Uh, this is what I mean, though. Other, it's always been a joke in the entertainment industry. And but, but a lot of people knew about it, though. Well, a lot of people heard whispers about it, but because Cosby had that squeaky clean reputation, America's dad, everybody kind of went, nah, nah way, no. And, and, and because of some, when you see somebody like that fall from grace. Of course. When you see, say, the church I was raised in, the Catholic Church, and what the hell was going on with child and sex abuse, thousands of victims over decades. It's disgusting. When you see these institutions and people that are institutions unto themselves, they have a dark side. When you see Jared the Subway guy, he was an inspiration to fat people everywhere. You mean I can eat sandwiches and lose weight if I walk? But he's he's oh, oh okay. Let let me take but you he's back. He's a sex predator against. Well, well, he's a pedophile. Wait wait a minute. Let me take you back to our generation. Remember when you found out about Pee Wee Herman? Yeah, that was pretty messed. Yeah, up. thank you. That destroyed you. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm trying to use the phone. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think Pee Wee will make a comeback though. It would be so funny if he did. No, I think he already has it away. Him, carrot top. Well, like, Carrot Top's still around. Carrot Top didn't do anything, did he? I think he chopped off his hair and just went... Well, no, no. See, he, he didn't did, do anything uh, like, terrible. Oh, you know? no. No, he was just a terrible person. Well, and some, people some also... Aspect. I saw this question, and in all seriousness, people said, why do folks... Or why for so long have we not taken sexual assault and other rape, these sort of allegations, seriously? I honestly think... It is a product of our Puritan history in this country. The way we talk about sex, I'm saying compared to other Western civilizations, well, 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 no. like in Europe and different parts of the world, that are comparable in terms of their culture. We have in the United States this weird buttoned up, don't talk about sex thing. Well, well, and well. I think when you put those barriers on and you restrict it in that way, it allows people who are doing really deviant behavior to get away with it. Because people aren't going, aren't willing to talk about it. It's too icky. It's too, mm, I don't want to talk about that in polite society. Well, 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 here's the ugly truth. The ugly truth is you had rules back in the day that actually secured and protected people who did stuff like that. Oh, that too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, I mean, but I I think it is a product of us um, being a little too high strung about the topic of sex in general. Yeah, I'll say Victorian. Yeah, Victorian Puritan. Yes, and that maybe is good or bad. I mean, the idea of treating sex with dignity and grace, of course, fine. Of course. But when it 
when you can't talk about it openly in polite society, of course the people who are doing the really bad stuff don't get caught because you can't even call them out because you don't you're not willing to verbalize in explicit terms exactly what they're doing, and they get away with stuff. And then rumor and innuendo, oh they were drunk, boys will be boys. You now this no. Those type of excuses come up in a society that's unwilling to talk openly about sex. And that had a set of rules that protected people who did things like yep. that. Like college athletes and people of that nature. Uh, and women for years. Yep. Who were... They played victim to it. And I've talked to a lot of women who are of a certain age and things have changed. And for the better. What a day. Oh, man. I'm emotionally spent. Man, I had a great time though, man. Me too, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Brandon. Folks, this has been Joey Clark. He's Brandon God's Gift Cross. Check, Check us out. Easy. Check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, subscribe, give me a review. Or just tune in tomorrow night. Six to seven. Till then. Ta-ta. I said I got my I got Joey Clark.